Welcome to the She is Fierce show. I'm Kelly Youngs, the host of She is Fierce and Lift You. Today, we're talking to the team behind Pantsuit Politics, two redheads who are solving the world's problems one conversation at a time. Sarah Stewart-Holland and Beth Silvers are the co-hosts of the Pantsuit Politics podcast and lead an engaged online Pantsuit Politics community. They're two friends who connected as sorority sisters years ago, stayed friends, and came back together not too long ago to create their own podcast dedicated to talking about the good and bad of politics with nuance. Sarah is a professional blogger, a social media consultant, and was recently elected to the Paducah, Kentucky City Commission. And Beth Silvers is a human resources exec and yoga teacher who practiced law for years before she decided to jump into the business world and join Sarah in taking over the world with pantsuit politics. So welcome, ladies. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you. We're so excited to be here. Thank you for that nice introduction. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I'm a fan of you. I've been listening for a while now. We've done some stuff with you guys in the past. I just love what you're doing. I love... I love that you focus on nuance and that that's what is most important to you. So, you know, you're doing something I think that's very different from most politics shows that we see and hear where it's all about conflict. And you're having really real candid conversations with each other and also with your guests about the things that matter the most to you. Can you share a little bit about how that came about? Because your backgrounds aren't in media. How did you come to create something and put that out into the world? Sarah, do you want to take that? Sarah's our origin storyteller. I <laughs> yes, I am the origin storyteller. So I liked podcasts. I was a blogger, and Beth would occasionally um, co-post on my or guest post on my blog. And uh, it was they were always sort of I was unapologetically political on my mommy blog, so she would come in and give sort of an alternating viewpoint or alternative viewpoint. And um, I had been sort of kicking around this idea of an interview podcast focused on women in politics because before I was elected, I did a training program through a national organization called Emerge that trains Democratic women considering public office. And so, you know, between that and um, what I assumed was Hillary Clinton's upcoming candidacy, I just thought, man, women in politics is going to be such an interesting topic. And I thought of this great name called Pantsuit Politics. (laughs) And then I did an interview, and I was like, I don't really like doing interviews. So I kind of just left it there. I'd already had the fancy mic. It sat on my desk for like a year. And then um, Beth wrote this really great co or uh, guest post on my blog called Nuance, where she – it was sort of around the Caitlyn Jenner controversy and, like, can't do we really all have to just take teams, and can't we find nuanced positions where we think what Caitlyn Jenner is doing is brave, but it doesn't mean we don't think cancer victims are brave. Like, it's this really great post, and – I said, hey, would you be interested in a podcast that's like Crossfire, except not obnoxious, and <laughs> where we would have um, a conversation from different political sides of the aisle, and we'd respect each other, and we'd try to find the nuanced argument instead of just um, being in conflict the entire time. And so I always tell people, I, I told Beth, well, let's just talk to each other on the phone and see how it goes. And we had this amazing conversation about an hour, and I said, all right, stop. We're not talking anymore unless we're recording it because we clearly have something here. So, Well, you clearly the, did. It's just politics. taken off, hasn't it? Well, yeah, we got featured by uh, iTunes New and Noteworthy pretty early in the process, but really probably we, before we were fully prepared for that size audience. But, hey. So, you know, I have to say I have such admiration for – 
the guts that it takes to get on a microphone a few times a week and share these like deeply held personal beliefs about what's going on in the world, about politics in general, especially in such a crazy and polarizing time. How do you guys do it? Yeah, it's hard. Um, I think that we have been very clear with each other and with ourselves from the beginning that this would really be an experiment in vulnerability because even revealing some of the thoughts that we share on the podcast with friends and family can be scary. Mm -hmm. And I think that we just decided at the beginning that if we were going to do this, we were going to do it honestly. We weren't going to sit at the mic and edit, oh, my gosh, what if my coworker listens to this? What if my mom listens to it? Um, that there was no point in coming to the microphone if we weren't going to say what we truly believe. And so we made that commitment early on. I think we've really stuck to it. And then I think it's gotten easier week by week as we've realized that, you know, people come to us, I think, less for what we think about particular news items and more for the way we talk about things. And so since our show up front kind of says, no person is going to listen to us and agree with everything they hear. Mm -hmm. So that's a commitment between the listeners and us um, that everyone's really honoring that commitment too. And so I think as long as we kind of keep the process that we've established and keep the principles that led us to do this in the first place, it, it gets easier with time. So what, well, and I would say that everything yeah, we, I would say everything I've, I'm realizing a pattern in my life that, Anytime I did something new, it was made easier and better when I partnered with another strong woman. So the first time I blogged, it was because um, a former law school classmate said, hey, would you like to do this? Um, when I ran for city commission, it was with a dear friend of mine who completed the same training program, and she won her race as mayor. And so now we're sort of govern governing together. And when and it's the same with Beth. When you have it, when you're doing something new and scary, if you have this strong woman who you trust standing next to you, it just makes everything that much easier and so often when we're recording our show you know I'm really just talking to Beth and it's sort of easy for me to get in that place and forget that I'm not, I won't lie and say I never think oh I wonder what people are going to say in fact mm -hmm. on the show I'll say like please don't send me an email about that <laughs> but um it's just it's still even if that's a consideration just the, the conversation and the investment I have in that with Beth is always so much stronger yeah, well, you know, I want to ask you about something in particular that Beth touched on a little bit, and that is professional colleagues. So the one thing when I heard this, I thought, gosh, I, you know, I think I could tell my friends and family and I could convince them that I'm going to get out there and tell the world what all my personal political beliefs are, right? But I, I am just amazed that you have the guts to get up there and say in front of your boss and your colleagues and your coworkers, um, you know, this is what I believe. These are my deeply held beliefs, and this is why I believe it. And I think that, um, you know, what you talked about, that kind of contract between yourselves and the audience is such a unique thing that you're saying, hey, it's okay if you don't like what I'm saying. You can keep listening. I think that's something really special. It's been such a weird experience for me because I do a lot of HR work, and so I spend 90% of my day listening to other people. And as people I work with have started to listen to the show, I can see that they feel like they know me in a different way because they're listening to me instead of me listening to them. Mm -hmm. um, so that's been kind of an interesting dynamic. I, I was worried that it would be a professional obstacle for me. And I think that I was willing to accept that from the beginning because I believed so much in what we were doing. 
what I am finding is I think that it enhances what I do professionally. I really do. I think as people know me more, sometimes they value my opinion even more in the workplace because mm-hmm. of what they've heard from me on the podcast. And I do feel like the podcast has been a real vehicle for personal growth for me. I think I'm a more confident businesswoman because of what we're doing on the show and the response to it and the experience of building our own business um, through the show. So for me, it, it was definitely a concern. And, you know, it's like everything, though. I think that once you start giving yourself permission to be yourself, only good things come of that. Yeah, I don't I'm... have a boss, so that makes it a lot easier for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I, I, I think you're obviously you're putting yourself out there in a political sense. Um, and this is something that as a listener, I, I always thought about when I've heard you talking that you're running for office, but you're also telling people you're really like, you know, personally held views. And I think sometimes we think of politicians as people who are just telling us what we want to hear. And it's so refreshing and so strange and unusual to hear somebody say, hey, you know, this is the platform that I'm running on. And here are all the reasons that I really feel that way. And all the other stuff that you didn't know about me. (laughs) Well, I always think about my friend Lindsay told me one time that she she's sort of like this career expert. And she was talking about a friend of hers who got like a head tattoo, big, showy head tattoo and said, okay, you know, like, this is my commitment to myself that I um, want to, you know, sort of live an alternative life and work in alternative industries. And this is like my commitment to these values. And sort of what I think about is, you know, pantsuit politics is my head tattoo. It keeps me honest. I didn't run for office. because, And I honestly, I don't think most politicians run for office because they want to seem inauthentic or guarded. Mm. Um, and pantsuit politics keeps me honest, right? Like I... I do that in um, a very purposeful way because I, I want people to know where I stand and I don't want to become someone who splits the middle to make everybody happy. That's not to say that I don't think there's a role for politics and pragmatism and deal making, but at the same time, you know, my values are what they are. And if they're not your values then they're not your values and you don't have to support me, but you know, a way to, I don't want to guard them either. I don't want to, you know, keep it all a secret in the hopes that you don't find out what I really stand for. You know, I live in Kentucky and I worked for Hillary Clinton and there's no way I'm going to hide that from people. And, you know, we've had politicians in Kentucky try to split the middle and I don't think it ever turns out well. And I sort of live by this um, Casey Musgraves. I'd rather uh, lose for what I am than win for what I ain't. Mm. So that's fancy politics is my way to do that. Yeah, I love that. And I can I can relate to that personally from a She Is Fierce perspective that when I started She Is Fierce, I thought, well, I'm putting it out there. I'm being really honest about what matters to me. And no matter what somebody says about it, I think um, it almost forces you to kind of get comfortable with what what's meaningful to you. Um, but I want to talk about something that we did with you guys a little while back. We got involved with your community um, in an effort to encourage audiences to reach across the aisle and find common ground with people who don't think like us, which you guys do a great job of every day. Um, can you share a little bit about what that initiative was and how listeners who are, are listening now might be able to practice some of those steps in their lives? So we did this challenge called Exit the Echo Chamber because we felt that, you know, there's this, you read about the great sort where people are literally moving to areas of the country where people agree with them and no one has to face opinions that make them uncomfortable or challenge their values. And it was very important to us um, 
because of our values that people, if they wanted, had the opportunity to push themselves out of those comfort zones. And so Exit the Echo Chamber was a week challenge, and we talked about sort of why you wanted to exit the Echo Chamber, uh, maybe writing a letter to someone you disagree with in the past, having a conversation face-to-face with someone who voted differently in the 2016 election than you. Um, we did an empathy map, which is a really cool way to sort of get in the head of someone you feel like you disagree with. Um, and it's just sort of an ongoing philosophy of the podcast and our community that it's so important to um, walk outside of your area. And, you know, if you, you know, we just finished our, we have a pantsuit politics book club and they just read Strangers in Their Own Land by Arlie Hofchild, which is an amazing book. And she talks about empathy walls where there's just this wall between you and a place where you can empathize with someone that disagrees with you on these big political issues and that we have to find a way over, through, under, whatever, dig a tunnel around these walls, these obstacles to helping us um, to helping us understand someone else's perspective. And Exit the Echo Chamber was really trying to do that. It was trying to remove those obstacles so that we had a better understanding. Yeah, I mean, I, I got, personally, from a Shia Fierce perspective, we got such great feedback on that. And I think it's something that a lot of times we want to do. We want to reach across to that person in our family or that friend that we know doesn't agree with us. But it feels so contentious. It feels like it's going to get really uncomfortable. And I think that that was such a special way to um, to kind of find a, a way of connecting and just saying, hey, we're going to do this just like you guys do on the show in a really nuanced way and be respectful of one another. So I loved it. And I hope that our listeners will get back in there and, and do the... Ec- Exit the Echo Chamber Challenge. But when we come back, I want to talk to you guys about what it's like to be women in the field of politics. And we've got a lot to say about that. Welcome back to the She is Fierce show. We are talking to Sarah and Beth of the Pantsuit Politics podcast and community. I'm so excited to have them here because they are two women who are making things happen in the political space. So um, Sarah Stewart-Holland recently ran for the Paducah City Council, or City Commission, excuse me, and is now actually a politician. And Sarah and Beth together have created a media show where they come together as women, um, two different sides of the aisle, and talk about what's most meaningful to them in politics today. So Sarah and Beth Politics is still an area that is heavily dominated by men, and that applies to, you know, the role of a political correspondent or an analyst or different people in media. And you guys with your big bright hair and your big smiles stand out, I think, immediately among the lineup of podcasts, TV shows, radio shows, and all of those things that are usually hosted by men. What has that been like for you? Well, it's been really interesting. I think that we think less about ourselves, perhaps, in that landscape than We think about how people respond to us, and we noticed early on we thought we were doing a show that would be um, mostly embraced by women, and right out of the gate, our most engaged listeners were men. We heard from men on social media constantly. We received long emails from male listeners, and we were sort of like, what is happening here? And then when we started to bring more men onto the show, it was our male listeners who would say, I don't want to hear men's voices on your show. Mm-hmm. I listen to you because I want to listen to two women. And that's really made me think more about it than I thought at the beginning. And I think Sarah has a really unique perspective as a woman who actually ran for office and is now governing as just a voice out there in the landscape. I, I am noticing more and more that the voice matters and the perspective behind the voice matters. And there is something 
very different in what we're doing than what's out there. And, and I think that that's twofold. I think part of it is gender. And I think part of it is that we haven't kind of sought a professional career in politics to this point in our lives. So it's not only that we're being women in a space dominated by men, it's that we're being women unapologetically and without Mm -hmm. trying to fit into that space dominated by men. I mean, we're kind of saying this doesn't get better unless it's different. And so let's just be different. Yeah. You know, um, I remember you talking about that on a show probably a little while ago now. And I was really surprised too, when you said that, because I think when I started listening to your show, I didn't necessarily think, Oh, it's two women. I thought this is a great show. But when you mentioned on the show that a lot of your most avid listeners were men, I was really surprised. But then I, you know, as I kind of thought about it, I thought, Hey, it actually does make sense. You know, you're providing analysis, I think, from an angle that we don't really get very often. It's not just two human beings able to have a polite conversation about politics, which is unusual in and of itself. But it's also two strong, active women who aren't living like their day-to-day life in Washington and aren't, you know, trying to get a job on a network and kind of self-motivated, right? You're coming to the table as fully engaged citizens. I think that's exactly right. And I think that um, there is just a different emotional perspective that we bring to politics as women. And I think there's a growing understanding that politics is just as much emotional as it is sort of factual and rational. And so not to, you know, it's, I'm not a person that buys wholeheartedly into the uh, sort of female stereotypes that we're just the kinder, gentler sex. That's not what I mean. Mm-hmm. But um, I do think there is a different perspective um, that people really value, particularly at this moment in time. Sure. And different life experiences as well, right? Mm-hmm. So you guys, I mean, you are taken off. You are now listed in the top podcast page for iTunes Politics podcast next to some really big names. What does that feel like when you kind of discovered that, you know, you said you were new and noteworthy, but you're really, you're starting to move up there, right? It's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) We always have two different reactions. Like whenever we get really good news, Sarah like dances and is is excited and I get really hot. (laughs) Nervous. What is happening around me? Um, but it is, it's really exciting to me that we have this platform that is, you know, we're seeing transformation as a result of our show. When people say, I'm running for office because I've listened to your show, or I'm applying to a graduate program um, about public policy because of your show, you know, that to me feels like maybe the best that we can give the world, right? Inspiring more people to contribute in that way. So it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Well, and I will say that... Um, particularly right after the 2016 election, sort of the weight of that uh, rested on both of us. We had a lot of people writing us very heavy emails saying, you're the only thing getting me through this. I don't know how I'm going to deal with this. Um, Some really personal, um, distraught, emotionally wrought people who were set, who were really leaning on our community um, to take steps forward. And that, and it felt like a responsibility and it felt very, very heavy in a way that's not like fun and dance worthy, like being on iTunes. But, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Was, I think you guys, you know, you're growing a business. You have all the pressure of doing that with, you know, I, I didn't talk about this before, but you have five kids between you. You've got all of your day jobs, you know, Sarah, you're in politics now. You've got a lot of stuff going on and you're building a business and you have the weight of politics, which weighs 
many of us down in our daily lives without the responsibility of having to help other people get through it. How do you deal with that? Therapy? (laughs) (laughs) Meditation? We both, Beth wrote a really great piece for our blog about how important meditation was and both of us are meditators and journalers and go to therapy. I mean, I think that self-care is as important now as it ever has been in my life or really as for a culture. And so um, I think both of us take that really seriously and we try to bring those discussions and those perspectives that are often excluded from politics into our conversations about politics for sure. Yeah, you I know, think we both try to look at time as though it's not zero sum. We've, we've talked on the show before about priorities and about how I think that a lot of us feel, you know, you get the question, like, how do you do it all? As though there's a finite amount of things that any person can do. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's more like, do you have the right recipe of things that all enhance each other? So I think I'm a better mom because of fancy politics, just like I know I'm a better mom because of yoga and meditation. Um, and so it's do all of these balls kind of circling in the air constantly help or harm each other? And, and when that balance is off, we have to adjust and fix it. But most of the time, you know, if you just if you have the right constellation, it works. Yeah, that's such a cool way to think about it. I I haven't thought about it in that way, but I love it. And we have so many women, I think, in our community who are leaders or who are professionals or entrepreneurs or, you know, ready to take a leap and just not sure where they're going. And of course, many women who are moms, right? And I think that's one of the biggest things that we come up against is, is doing X going to take away from Y? And I think it's such a cool way to think about it that that those two things or those five or 10 or 25 things can all impact one another um, in a positive way if you have the right um, priorities in place, right? Yeah, exactly. And I, th- I think the other thing is you don't have to know where you're going. I mean, this, is, this to me is a fundamental difference between men and women. I think Sarah and I, in, in one important respect, have approached pantsuit politics like men might. Um, and we've just started by saying, we don't know what's going to come from this. We don't know exactly what we're doing. We're just going to put it out there. You know, we're just going to see what sticks to the wall and keep going and not doubt ourselves constantly along the way or feel like we need to have a 20-page plan for how we're going to make this work in our lives. We just do it. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, just doing it is a big part of all of that. Well, you know, you've just been doing it, and I recently heard that you are just about to do the Pantsuit Politics book, excuse me, which sounds amazing. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and how that came about? So we were so excited. We actually heard from a listener who is a literary agent, and she reached out to us and said, you know, I've heard you mention on the show kind of as a side note that you would like to do a book at some point. And I'd love to talk with you about that. And so we had a call with her, and it was just such great chemistry. And, you know, it it meant so much to Sarah and me to be talking to someone who listens to the show and is invested in the show and kind of feels like she knows us as people. And so we knew that we had some good alignment on what matters to us from the beginning. And we started talking with her about how there will be, you know, there will be shelves of books about the 2016 election. It was so bizarre. So we didn't want to do a retrospective at all. We really wanted the book to be lessons that we've learned from talking to each other in such a polarized time and forward looking, you know, given that we've been undertaking this practice of respectful dialogue, trying to see the nuances and different topics, trying to be focused on moving forward. What, what can we share about that practice with other people? So that's what's taking shape. We're, 
working hard on it. It's been fun because it's allowed Sarah and I to get together in person. And, uh, you know, we live in two different cities, so it's nice when we're able to actually spend time together really thinking deep thoughts. <laughs> and um, so we're just continuing to work with our agent on it, and she's been very hands-on. You can tell she has a real investment in the project as well, and, and we're excited to see where it goes. Yeah, I mean, it sounds so exciting. I cannot wait. I hope I am one of the first readers. Uh, When we come back, we're going to talk with Sarah and Beth about women in politics. So Sarah is going to share a little bit about her experience, and I'd love to get Beth's take as well. So we'll talk to you then. We are back on the She is Fierce show with Sarah Stewart-Holland and Beth Silvers of the Pantsuit Politics podcast. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, Sarah is now a city commissioner in the city of Paducah, Kentucky. And Sarah, I want to ask you, what has it been like running for office and how did you decide to run for office? Um, well, let's see. I have always wanted to run for office. I think the better narrative that people like to hear from a woman is that, you know, everybody just convinced me and I didn't want to do it, but I just really wanted to serve my community. And I did want to serve my community, but the truth is I've always wanted to run for office. Um, So I want to give a little space for the women out there that just want to do it. Um, That's okay, too. Yeah, I love it. So I... um, I had done the training program and actually, you know, just a testament to sort of intention and putting things out to the universe. At that training program, you have to write down, like, that you'll run for office within five years and you have to write down which office. And I wrote city commission within five years. And when, um, and I kind of kept putting it off and putting it off because I didn't want to run against a close friend of mine. And the woman who ran the program was like, you need to just go to lunch with her and see what she thinks you think she should, she thinks you should do. So I went to lunch with this woman and she said, well, funny story, I'm not running again. So um, there became an open seat, and so it was, you know, was it the best time in my life since I had a one-year-old? Probably not, <laughs> but it was um, something that I wanted to do, and it, and my incumbency is incredibly powerful on the city commission in, in Paducah, so once, if somebody else had filled that open seat, I would have had to wait pretty much for another open seat to come along or worked, you know, twice as hard as I did because mm-hmm. the incumbents all were reelected, and then I got the open seat. So, um, you know, I, Paducah is my heart. I left my life in Washington, D.C. to move back here because I love this town so much, and there are really exciting things happening here. And um, I wanted to be a part of the leadership helping, you know, take everything to the next level and make this town I love uh, succeed and thrive beyond everybody's, you know, wildest imaginations. It's where I've chosen to raise my children. I want my children to grow up and live one here one day. So um, the time was what it was, and I took it, and um, I worked really hard, and I Knocked on 5,000 doors, and I won. Oh, my goodness. Well, I have to say, I've never, um, I never knew as much about Kentucky as I do now from listening to your show. Um, So I, you know, it's very clear that you love your town. And, you know, I've never heard somebody, and this is really true, I have to say. I don't think I've ever heard somebody talk about their role in politics with such, I think, genuine passion and optimism that you do. And maybe that's because I don't hang out with that many people who are just starting out in their political career. But I love listening to just your sheer optimism and the passion that you have for being a part of creating something in your community. You know, where do you think that comes from? Well, I think that I am an optimistic person, like, you know, like this says every time she, she texted me the other day and said, 
we, I, we just have so much going on and, and I had this other thing and I said, I'm not the person you want to text about that because my approach is always get us through all the things. Yeah, mm-hmm. we'll do it. Let's do that too. Because <laughs> um, I like um, to do, I, I just like to do all the things pretty much. Um, so I think it's partly my personality and that I am an optimist and I am excited by new opportunities and meeting new people. But it's also... Um, you know, a pitch to anybody out there listening, looking for a new place to live. Paducah is a very exciting place to be right now. (laughs) We have um, a lot of exciting new business owners, a lot of exciting new leadership in our nonprofits. Just, it's just, there's a lot of really cool things going. We had the secretary of treasure or secretary of tourism for the state of Kentucky come. And he was like, you know, there's no energy like in the whole state, like there is in Paducah. Um, It's just, we, um, for, for of a confluence of a lot of events and a lot of things ha- that are happening in the town. It's just a really cool, exciting place to be right now. So, but I will say, um, as a person that also worked in politics in D.C., and that's not to say that there wasn't um, a fair dose of pessimism or pessimists that you would find in any career, but there are a lot of people that work in politics. Um, and maybe not all of them are on the front lines of politicians, but they are dedicated public servants who do this because they have a deep passion and a deep concern for their country or their state or their city and they want to do whatever they can and work as hard as they can to make it better and you know it's a it's um a proud tradition and a group i'm happy to join i know a lot of people aren't um excited by the idea of being called a politician but i have known and do know a lot of people who love politics for all the right reasons and i'm not um embarrassed or um sort of discouraged to put myself in that group. Yeah, I, if, you know, I think even it's... Re- if, even if it includes Donald Trump at this current moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's refreshing to, um, you know, to hear you talk so passionately and to talk about what's possible and to talk about the sort of functioning of government and making things work. And a lot of times, I think many of us think about politics now as it's a competition and it's this reality mm-hmm. show and really, it's about civic life, right? It's about our government functioning. Right. So for me, it's exciting to hear your passion for creating something, for making new opportunities, for you know benefiting other people in the community and doing that through public office. So what would you well, say to other women who are you know, thinking, just like you said, like, I've always wanted to do this, but, oh, X, Y, and Z, all of these reasons are, t- are, are sort of holding me back. Well, I would say, you know, one piece of advice I give people is there's this really, and this is huge to my journey. It's why I decided to finally, I had known about the Emerge Training Program for a long time, but had never sort of taken a step to finally do it. And then I saw a documentary called Raising This President, which is about the lack of female representation in politics. And what that movie really did for me is classic consciousness raising and the true feminist sense of the word. I watched this movie. I realized that all these things I told myself. I don't have, I'm not qualified. I don't have the experience. I can't, um, I'm not old enough. I have little kids. I like to be in the back. All these things that women tell themselves and think it's about their personality um, really was just the messages that we sent women in a million subtle little ways that um, prevents them from being involved in politics. You have to be a nice girl. It's just, you know, not to mention the kind of classic bind. If you're a nice girl, you can't get things done. And if you get things done, you're not a nice girl. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it was just sort of facing head on these narratives that I was telling myself and how unfair they were, but how they were, you know, universal. And like I said, I mean, I think so much of it is, um, 
a partnering or a support group in which you have other women going, no, you're not crazy. I thought the same things or no, you're not crazy. And they do the same thing to me. You know, the woman I, I said that I ran with as mayor, we were talking about how we were um, often find ourselves in rooms full of men. And when we speak um, sort of articulately or intelligently about a subject, they give us this look and I call it the dog playing the piano look, which if you're a Mad Men fan in the very beginning of Mad Men, Peggy becomes an ad executive after she has this great little pitch. And one of the guys goes, it was like seeing a dog play the piano. Like there's just this sort of, wow. And you know, it's, that's made 10 times easier if you have another woman to say, I'm not crazy. That's how they look at me. Right. And mm-hmm. she goes, yeah. And like, Oh, son of, you know, so I think that sort of putting yourself in, instead of thinking as a, a solely, and that's not to say that the decision to run for office is not a personal decision. Of course it is. But when you orient yourself within this community of women and you find a support group and you find women who understand the experience and who understand sort of running up against those cultural messages, then everything gets so much easier. And, um, you know, you can even see that when we went to the DNC, they had a convention, they had a uh, an event with the democratic um, women of the house. And like, you can set, and that's not to say there's not competition and infighting. I'm sure there is, they're human beings, but you can see that in the camaraderie they share, like, and even like the women senators where a boat across the aisle often work together and get stuff done because they have a shared experience. And I think that that is really powerful and um, can be sort of a game changer once you put yourself in that universe and don't and it doesn't feel like such a lone pursuit anymore. Yeah. You know, I think one of my favorite stories about women in politics is the story, um, if you remember, I think it was the last, this past winter, when it was a terrible blizzard in Washington. Oh, yeah. And the Susan only people Paul. who showed up for work were the women. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was such a great testament. Pretty, although, again, in fairness, now, who, no, it was Murkowski, wasn't it, Beth? Yeah, Lisa Murkowski. And Who's I think Susan Alaska, Collins was in that, too. But no, but fair enough. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, when we come back, we are going to talk with Sarah and Beth of the Pantsuit Politics Show about getting involved in politics, being honest about it, getting real with what's important to you, and, you know, embracing your future. Welcome back to the She is Fierce show. We are talking with Sarah Stewart Holland and Beth Silvers, co-hosts of the Pantsuit Politics podcast and leaders of a really engaged online Pantsuit Politics community. So the Pantsuit Politics show has featured stories and interviews with women who are really leading the way in getting more involved in the political space, whether they are politicians or whether they are people who are working on the sidelines to find women who would be great um, government leaders, uh, great in the civic space. What role do you see your go- you guys playing in that movement? It's an interesting question. I think it's really different for the two of us probably because I do think that Sarah is, you know, as, as she described previously, very passionate about actually being part of governance. And I'm not sure that that's the right place for me, and it's something I debate with myself all the time. With our show, I do think that we are a source of, I hope, inspiration and support. I see our listeners connecting with each other all the time, and I have no doubt that as our listeners start to run for office, they're going to find encouragement and financial support and all kinds of resources among themselves, which is is awesome to think about. You know, it's sort of that drop of water and the ripple effects of what we do has, mm. has been really interesting to see. Um, and then I, I think that, you know, my 
my role right now, you know, I, I just heard a speaker say that you should talk in for now statements because you just never know, right, where things are going to go. And you shouldn't feel compelled to know that. So for now, for me, Pansy Politics gives me the opportunity to connect with people on a pretty deep level because audio is such an intimate format and then have them reach out to me personally and whether I am advising them on how to have a conversation with a relative who's hurt their feelings over a political issue or, you know, saying great job running for office or calling your congressman or tell me about this experience that you had. I think it's just a a forum for me to be an encourager. And I think that's the best role that I have right now. And also I, a lot of our listeners are left-leaning listeners. And so I'm the first Republican voice they have found to be palatable. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm helping people ask questions or get clearer on their values, my intention is never to convert anyone to anything. But if I help them clarify or think through or question something, I feel really good about that. Yeah, you know, you guys don't know that much about my background, but I've lived in a bunch of different countries and in different cities. And so for me, I find that when I live in one particular place, everybody agrees about one thing, right? We're in our own little echo chamber. And then I move to another place and everybody around me agrees about the complete opposite position and with such certainty. So it's interesting to listen to two people who, you know, clearly have a friendship and a relationship and are able to kind of come from not that different of a background, I don't think, right? And say, these are the positions that we've taken and we're going to talk about it um, with nuance, but with respect. Yeah, our back, our backgrounds are very similar. I mean, we're both from Western Kentucky, different parts of it, but it's uh, a similar cultural background. It's not we that big, educated. so. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we were educated at the same college. Um, we both went to law school. So it is a, a similar path that we've walked. Just We have we have different personalities, as everybody who listens to us knows, but, um, but we do have similar experiences. I think that part of that is just that we always – prioritize our relationship over anything else and 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 we both work really hard to keep politics in perspective you know Sarah talks a lot about don't put all your eggs in the political basket and I think we both work really hard to do that and so our stake when we talk to each other is not in winning or being right or even being validated in our position our stake is in how much more do I understand about myself and about the other person when I leave this conversation? Yeah, I love your well, point about not being validated. Well, and I'll also say I think our listeners are a huge part of this as well because, you know, it's not that we don't encounter a troll once here or there, but for the most part, what our listeners are asking of us is not that we uh, validate their views but that we um, keep it nuanced. I mean, we end every show with keep it nuanced draw and they hold us to that. And it's sort of funny because both us and our listeners will have these moments where we're like, dropped our nuance. Like, I can't do it. I'm sorry. I'm just gonna, (laughs) but there's a, there's a helpfulness to that awareness. There's a helpfulness when you say, you know what, I'm just emotional and I'm just going to acknowledge my emotions with this moment. And then maybe, and if you give me five minutes or five days or five months or five years and check back with me, Maybe I will have processed those emotions in a helpful way. Like even being able to just name when you aren't being nuanced and when you are not capable of um, sort of being super fair or, you know, whatever in that moment is, I think, super helpful. And our listeners are a huge part of that. 
Yeah, you know, I mean, we talk a lot about in the Shia Spheres membership and in our community, we talk a lot about like just getting honest with yourself <laughs> and being mm-hmm. real with whatever your values are and whatever your mission is. And I mean, clearly you guys have figured that out for yourselves. But do you ever have um, situations where maybe if it's someone else in your community or even in your own conversations with each other where things just become contentious and you have to find a way to smooth it over or to get past a hurdle and keep a positive relationship? Yeah, like every time I talk to my dad (laughs) (laughs) about politics. At least you're still talking. Yeah, I, well, he he threatened to unfriend me at one point, but I talked him down to split Facebook. I, I, and that with with him, I just have to be, you know, I just I, I think this is super personal for me, but because I have such a um, sort of I'm so extroverted and I'm so talkative, and I've had people in my life say hurtful things to me, like that I am abrasive or obnoxious, and I have this chip on my shoulder of like, oh, I'll show you I'm not abrasive. So mm-hmm. I have a very <laughs> I have a deep well of patience in those moments where I'm like, you will not bait me. I will not prove every nasty thing everyone's ever said about me right. So I will just keep going and be patient and say, I'm sorry you felt that. I have no problem apologizing if people's feelings or get hurt. It costs me absolutely nothing. So I can say, oh, I'm sorry I hurt your feelings or I'm sorry you feel misunderstood. Please help me understand where you're coming from. So, um, I mean, I think that that's, I call it kindness shaming. So I'm, I'm, I'm capable in those moments of doing, of kind of stepping, stepping down and not, there's very few people who can put me in a defensive crouch where I keep escalating things. Yeah, that's cool though. And I think that that probably, even in practicing that, even if it's for, you know, self-preservation, it also probably does grow your empathy because you're forced to, you know, take that opportunity to show that person that you're actually listening. Oh yeah, Definitely. Back to something you said, Kelly, to you about knowing yourself, because mm. when things get contentious, um, I I tend to do more on Twitter and Sarah more on Facebook with our community. And Twitter is where um, occasionally a kind of trolling personality will pop up. Mm-hmm. And when we get kind of baited like that, I always take a step back to say, you know, again, what what is my stake here and what's important to me? And once I get clear on that, it doesn't matter. Um, I, I don't have any investment in that other person's reaction. I think that's the source of most contention where people have a stake in influencing or changing the person across from them. Mm-hmm. So I can know I can know that somebody on Twitter, sometimes their intention is just to get us upset, right? Like they'll roll out something like feminazi. Mm-hmm. And I think, okay, you know what? Today... I don't have any stake in even responding to something like this. And when I do feel compelled to respond because there might be some glimmer of an interesting conversation in a remark like that, you know, I really sit with myself to say, who do I want to be in this conversation? Because I will be who I want to be in this conversation, not who this person wants me to be. Well, and you know what's funny? There's like a real sociological study that I'm sure somebody has already done because our communities on Facebook and Twitter are very different. And like the other day, somebody on Twitter was like, those Facebook people aren't very nuanced. Like, <laughs> 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 not each other. And it's really funny that, you know, it, it is true like that you'll you'll pull up a random troll more likely on Twitter, but like our Twitter community, um, the way they engage is very differently, is, is different. Um and so it, it plays on different skills than from both of us when you engage in the 
the different platforms. It's kind of funny. Yeah, no, you know, and you kind of touched on it. I think there are sociological studies, right, that show that a lot of our politics, I mean, even another favorite pod- podcast of mine is Hidden Brain. Do you guys ever listen oh, to love that? Hidden Brain. Yeah, and I think that they even had something on recently where they were talking about how, um, you know, our politics are all just really about how we self-identify. It's not even so much about what the policies are sometimes. It's about how we identify ourselves based on all of our history. And what we're bringing to the table is our own personal identity, not necessarily an educated and nuanced political position, right? Well, and that's so scary to me when we, you talk about that, though, is that I, I had a health coach tell me one time that identity is the hardest level of change. Oh, yeah. It's the hardest level to change. And I think that's what you're seeing right now in our politics is that it's this stuff is so deeply rooted, people cannot see their way out. Yeah, so you guys, you know, clearly you have a model for something that works. You know, we did the exit echo chamber challenge. People really responded to that. What do you say to our audience as our show is coming to a close about how to – either engage in politics and take action or just engage with political conversations in a really respectful and nuanced way? I would say definitely buy our book when it comes out, wouldn't you? Well, of course. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, yes. And I think that one of the things that you will see as a theme in our book and also if you listen to our show or just know us personally is that this is not – sort of a, a journey that ends in enlightenment in a way it's it's something that you do have to just practice constantly and it also doesn't exist in isolation so if you want to get better at politics it's probably a lot Kelly like the advice that you give to your community about entrepreneurship or um, just self-actualization in general it's it, it's knowing who you are it's being confident in who you are. It's constantly evolving who you are, you know? So I, I think sometimes we think about it into, we think about politics as though it exists in this really narrow way. And I think that's part of the reason that we don't like what our politics have become. And so bringing the whole person to the table again is, is a way to address that. That I agree. Yeah. I mean, what a great way to, to end the show. I just want to thank you guys again, Sarah and Beth. It's been so lovely having you on. Well, thank you for having us. We were delighted to be here. Yes, thank you so much for having us. Well, we have been talking to the lovely Sarah Stewart Holland and Beth Silvers from the Pantsuit Politics Show. Tune in to add a little nuance into your political discussions by searching Pantsuit Politics Show on iTunes, or you can get involved in their Pantsuit Politics community at pantsuitpoliticsshow.com. And of course, look out for their book when it comes out. And Sarah and Beth are both members of the She is Fierce membership community, too, and I am personally so happy to have them there. You can learn more about becoming a member at sheisfiercehq.com forward slash join. So join me, Sarah, Beth, and women in eight countries around the world who are up-leveling their lives right now.